Street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Okay, looks like we're going. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is, um, my name is Lisa, and I, we are here today to talk about using street epistemology with children. I have a little YouTube channel called The Ro Road to Reflection, and I'll post this on there in a day or two. And hopefully we will have an interesting discussion today. And I'm here today with four other people, and I'm going to just let them introduce themselves and we will go around and, and then we'll get started. We'll get right into the conversation without wasting a lot of time. Eddie, will you go first? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Eddie. Uh, I run a YouTube channel called Deep Discussions. Um, I am not really active anymore, but a lot of the, my talks are still on there for everyone to watch. And my most recent ones um, dealt with uh, using SE on my kids. I think uh, it's just an idea I had and uh, it worked pretty well and there's still a lot of um, things running things I have going on with my kids right now. So I think I'm excited to get into the conversation and talk about what I've learned and what they've learned. How many kids do you have? I have two girls. Two girls. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Diamond, will you go next? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, go by Diamond. My channel's Diamond Discourse. Uh, that's my last name. I do have two kids. Um, and for credentials, you can see the toys in the background. So <laughs> just, uh, yeah, they're, uh, like fairly young boy and girl um but uh it's uh it's definitely been good um and eddie i i think you've i feel like i'm in the presence of a celebrity because your video exploded <laughs> when yeah. i'm sure we'll talk about that at some point um but i, I think the uh, it's the most famous example of se with children um and and it'll be interested to hear how things have changed over the time. So very cool to, to see you all. Um, yeah. Thank you, Bob. Hi, I'm Bob and I'm in Starkville, Mississippi. And yeah, I guess those are my kids. Those are infant, <laughs> infant portraits back there on the back wall. I've got three boys and they are not that small anymore. One is 15, the middle one is 12 and the youngest is 10 at this point. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk about kind of my my journey into SE and kind of SEing with my kids. Uh, I also, I'm a teacher and uh, I'm, a, I'm actually a children's entertainer as well on the side. So I interact with, with children at all kinds of different levels and uh, try to do what I can, if not explicitly SE, uh, certainly championing critical thinking. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to talk about that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Simon. Um, um, I am the odd one out. I don't have any children. Um, my partner and I refer to it as well-rested. That's the label that we take <laughs> yeah. for ourselves. Um, and yeah, I, I uh, work as a business analyst, but I'm also studying psychology at the moment. So I'm looking at this from a bit of a different angle from uh, developmental psychology mm -hmm. and where kids are at in their development throughout different age groups. So yeah, I'm 
really to hear from you guys what your experience has been like using this with with kids and also just i love talking about stream epistemology because it's one of my favorite hobbies yeah awesome thank you you guys this is going to be great um i forgot to mention i have four kids and my youngest just turned 18 a couple months ago so they are not young anymore but um i did raise four kids who are all adults now which is crazy but i've worked with children a lot in uh, church related callings for most of my life and then i taught dance and gymnastics and like a lot of uh, stuff like that with young kids. So I, I have a lot of interaction with kids, but just not recently. And then with COVID, there's just not a whole lot going on. Um, and my kids are older. So I really want to get into like the younger age groups, um, maybe like 12 and under uh, the, the little guys who are just learning to think for themselves and figuring things out. Um, so before we like get into the topic of kids, particularly, um, I want to hear what you guys, how you define what street epistemology is. Like, what is it to you? What does it mean? Because everyone's got like a little bit different definition. And the one online is a little convoluted, you know. Yeah. Any volunteers to go first? Uh, I'm happy to. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. I, I, I find it to be kind of, uh, it's like a, um, called a Socratic interview about a deeply held belief. So it would be um, exploring what a person believes and why, and then gently challenging to ensure that the reasons that they have are fit for the confidence they have in the claim. Yeah, that makes sense. Anybody want to add more to that? I'd say it's really hard to define uh, SE because it is, I, I feel like being a part of uh, the SE community at the early uh, stages of it, it's changed a bunch. And so it's really hard to nail down like exactly what it is because it's uh, it's evolving as it goes in a, in a good way. And uh, I think the general idea is that you are partnering with someone and having an investigation on what they believe, why they believe it, and the reasons and methods uh, they use to reach their conclusions. And so it's, it's, um, I, <clears throat> I haven't described it in this way, uh, in a long time, but it's almost, um, the, the SE practitioner is almost, uh, giving their service of, uh, giving their service to someone else, on um, giving the opportunity to think about something, uh, without judgment, without, um, being attacked. And it's, uh, it's it's just something that's been lacking for a while yeah. i would say yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's often described as conversation but it's not the typical conversation it's certainly not debate you know it's a conversation where the se practitioner is making a really concerted effort to get to the root of of where where the interviewee where their beliefs are coming from without bringing in any of your own biases and prejudices and that sort of thing. I don't, I mean, it's you know, maybe like a, like an interactive mirror you know, where, where essentially you're letting your, your conversation partner see themselves and you're, but you're actually helping them to, to drill down deeper. Um, but you're know, not falling into, you know, no matter what the topic is, not falling into debate mode. 
-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I, I asked this exact question in preparation for this. I asked my son what he considered it to be. And he described it pretty much like you just said of that it's listening to other people without pushing your ideas on them. And I was like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you mm -hmm. can explain that to my, my six-year-old daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, if, how would you explain it to a five-year-old? Like, to simplify it in the, like, very basis terms without using fancy words or anything. And that I think that sounds like a pretty good definition. No, uh, William Owen said, helping someone explore an idea they think is true was his uh, five-year-old definite and it, it, basically it's just all it is at the end of the day okay want to add anything else to that before we go on to this what modifications or adaptations can we make to make street epistemology more kid friendly hmm. you know, ideas on this one um this is um not a very good worded question but well no this is something that uh, got me to think um, what is the difference um, when I have conversations with an adult versus when I have conversations with my kids? And I would say that <clears throat> when you're having a conversation with an adult, um, you are spending a lot of time, uh, and you're trying to be efficient doing this, but you're spending a lot of time deconstructing what they believe, why they believe it, um, what, are the, what are the reasons why they believe it, um, not just what they claim is the reasons, but what is the actual reasons that's actually going to affect their confidence. And so you spend a lot of time drilling. Uh, when you're talking with kids, there is no drilling. They're, they're, they don't have these beliefs yet. They are um, they're on the ground level. And so you spend a lot of time with um, concepts and differentiating between certain things. And it's it's almost right where you want to be you skip all the hard part with an adult about drilling and getting to the core with the kids you're already with the core and then you go from there to talk about um how to tell the difference between what's real what's not real what's fact what's opinion what's this what's that um when you say drilling do you mean like getting to the the epistemology of the belief and like their methodology right. and like that like the kids might not have that so clearly understood right. as an adult would yeah so like I, I guess my perspective is from uh kids that are so young because mine is six and nine they're, they're so young that they haven't really developed strong beliefs um so i don't even focus on beliefs i just focus on the concepts that uh are foundational to beliefs um mm -hmm. and so um i spend a lot of time playing games differentiating between uh different concepts real not real uh what's pretend what's a fact what's an opinion um what are the different meanings of words um and i just work on the foundation a lot and 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 my hope is that what spawns from that is you know healthy stable concrete beliefs right does that so, just kind of get them thinking about the concepts of like what is truth and what is uh how to figure out things yeah to ask yeah, the so, questions yeah and uh, a lot of times um they will uh relate these concepts to their everyday life and so it's not like i'm picking a belief here and there and and uh talking about how they got there it's more about the concepts <clears throat> and and the methodology um 
And as they're going through their, their, their life, they apply those to pretty much everything. And they, they catch themselves going, Oh wait, that's, that's an opinion. You know, that's not a fact like, uh, and it really helps them navigate and, and develop in a really cool way that it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, that is cool that they're starting to differentiate between yeah. fact and uh, reality and pretend and just at a young age. Simon, I'm curious about your experience as a teacher. Like what, what how do you incorporate street epistemology with? Um... So I, I'm, I'm not a teacher. I am studying to be uh, or getting a degree in psychology. So, oh, so you're getting I, a, I, studying. I, I don't know if I'll be, yeah, I don't know if I'll be, I'll I'll be ever teaching children. Mm -hmm. um, no, that's, okay. that's fine. Okay, um, yeah. But what, what I was going to say that's, that's kind of tied to it is that one of the um, like mechanisms that are really useful for, for children is actually play when they're, when they're pretending or playing they are essentially stepping into a role that they have manifested and it, and it teaches them to you know, be half of, of a pair or whatever it is. And, th and those kinds of things are really useful. And I had a thought about, um, I don't know if anyone has watched any of Peter Bogosian's. I know his name's kind of mud a little bit in, in the mm -hmm. community, but he actually has on the street set up kind of visual, so they're activities as opposed to conversations. And yeah, I think I activities yeah. Yeah, are crazy useful for kids because a lot of the time, and, and especially when we're dealing with adults, especially those who are more philosophically minded, there's a lot of things you've got to keep going in your head at, at once. And that's difficult for kids. Or if you have a visual representation of a, here's a zero and here's a 10, where are you? Where Those kinds of things I think are easier for kids to step into because it's an activity, it's a game, it's mm -hmm. fun. Um, it's not something that, um, is, is so cognitively draining that it, I just expect the outcome to be a bit better. Yeah. I love it. Like the idea of getting movement involved and then they're, they get focused and they are into it a lot more than just having a back and forth conversation. Definitely. Asking, how about you, um, Bob, you are a teacher. I, I'm a teacher and apparently I was, I, I was going to talk about the fact that, you know, that I think we're probably a, an unusual group in the sense mm -hmm. that, you know, we all are constantly thinking about, well, gosh, how do I judge things to be true? You know, we, mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we spend a little more time thinking about this stuff than the average adult, you know, and of course that's going to then spill over to our kids because we're going to work this into, you know, because this is something that's a, a fascination for us. It, it winds up being you know, like, you know, <laughs> just the other day in the car, you know, I was asking my, my own kids, you know, we, we had, there was a, blue alert that was going on a, a police officer was shot in my not too far away uh he was killed and the suspect was apprehended and you know i got into this conversation in the car with the boys you know about you know, why is murder a bad thing you know, this, this is not typical fare for most you know most right. you know going to school kind of conversations but um you know that that's the kind of stuff that goes on around my house um as far as like modifications and adaptations one thing I've used in the past with my boys, um, and, and it's partly because I live in a religious area. I have relatives, actually, I have in-laws that are religious, and it's caused strife in relationships. And the boys still have, you know, they have contact with these grandparents, and the grandparents, you know, they'll read Bible stories to the boys. And, you know, and because I'm, I, I, I understand boundaries, and because I'm allowing the boys to stay you know, with them. And if they, you know, they have the right to teach them things that they you know, want to teach them. Um, but I do 
make it a practice, you know, of, of kind of debriefing those Bible stories and what I what I call the sniff test. You know, I said, just say, okay, well, what, what what story did you hear? Oh, it was the story of Job. Okay, well, you know, um, you know, you know, first of all, do you think that really happened, or do you think that someone wrote that that happened? Yeah, uh -huh. we kind of you know, we kind of stepped through it that way, you know, because and I also make the point that even if somebody just wrote some, that something happened, that doesn't necessarily make it bad. You know, I, I I'm a children's musician and a children I've written children's stories, and so I make up characters all the time, and so yeah, I kind of establish first of all whether it's real or whether it's you know uh, just a story, and then. I go to the step, okay, well, what was the motivation? If someone did, if it was fictional, because usually the boys acknowledge that it's fictional, that it that didn't, that there wasn't really a David who killed Goliath. But I say, okay, why would the writer write that story? You know, what was there a reason? What lesson was the writer trying to teach? And we kind of, you know, we, we just kind of deconstruct the story that way. Um, you know, just asking then, those questions. Is those questions, right. You know, just kind of, exactly. Um, first of all, because as, as, uh, Eddie was kind of mentioning, you know, kids, they're not, they're not saddled with apologetics, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they, they are saddled with a tremendous respect for authority. They, yes. you know, if, they, if they're told by a coach, by a parent, by a teacher, by a grandparent, that such and such is true, they default that that's true. And mm -hmm. that's an important lesson for us to, to, to teach them early on is that, that that's not necessarily the case. And you've got to develop your own tools for determining what's true or not. And I, you know, I find the sniff test process, you know, to, to be useful. And I've actually, I was thinking about this recently. I thought, I wonder if there's, you know, because it's one thing to deconstruct, but one thing I've never done, and I think it might be a useful tool is to, okay, how could we construct a better story? Because usually with these Bible stories, I kind of get to the point where the lesson's really not very good. And probably not the, not exactly what I would, you know, should an adult really be teaching this lesson to children? But I've never gotten to the point of doing something maybe constructive. It's like, well, how could we rewrite that story? What could we do to make that a better story? And I think that would be maybe a useful, a useful uh, creative opportunity for, for the parent and the kids. Yeah, that'd Bible be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a really good point though. Like, I, I don't see any secular person picking Job as a story to teach the children because it has good moral lessons. Like if that wasn't in your holy text, what reason would you have to share that with a child? Right. Right. And, and because it's be, and, it, and it's because it's your in your holy that you have you have the ability to do it. Yes. <laughs> you can kind of yeah. hide behind that cover. Oh well it's 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 a sacred text. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to my nine year old niece about Occam's razor. Like what's more <laughs> what's the most likely story that this actually happened or that somebody made it up and she like caught you, on right away do you actually use the term occam's razor uh i did later yeah okay but um not at first right but then she, yeah, I mean, she liked the concept so much that she's like well okay well what else can we like apply this to right. she's nice so i mean that's cool yeah yeah what were you gonna say Diamond? oh i was just gonna say i mean i don't know that there's all that many modifications you need to do it's because a lot of it is pretty pure SE that, that what I've heard you guys describe so far. Um, I mean, you're trying to understand what their, what their understanding is and where it came from. But, but like, I, I think that is true that I don't find I have to dig as hard um, that, that, yeah, it's uh, it's like, well, why, why is this? Well, it, the only reason is because my teacher said it. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this or or I I heard this, we read this book, and 
now I know that this is the case. Um, I, but avoiding making assumptions is, is pretty crucial. Like uh, uh, one of the examples that comes to mind was uh, the story um, my, my daughter came home with. And actually I said she was six, she's five. I'll, I'll get it straight. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, but so she had, they had read a story about feelings and, and so it was all about uh, how we all have these, these feelings like these, this feelings inside of us and they can get bigger and, and they can overtake us. And if mm -hmm. they overtake us, they can come out and, and, you know, upset things. And superficially like that sounded totally sensible. Like it's a great book, but then by avoiding making assumptions, I'm asking her for more details. And then she starts to describe how these feelings are actually like a ball and they're yellow. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, they're yellow was that in the book. <laughs> that was in the book. Right. And so, so, and I'm like, are you sure this is true? And she's like, well, yeah, because it was in the book. And, and then, so then we get into, and so, so it becomes apparent that her understanding is that this is actually a physical thing inside of us. And if you don't contain your feelings, whatever oh, feelings are, it is going to get bigger and <laughs> come and out, right? Ball. So yeah, the yellow ball is coming out of you, however. So so it was just kind of a fun exploration that, that yeah, superficially, it sounds great. But then when you get uh, with, you know, a little deeper without going too deep, it's pretty apparent. Uh, where the, the ideas are coming from. Yeah. Th did she get to the point where um, she, she no longer it thought it was a, a yellow ball? Well, no. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> but, uh, I would have been surprised did... if a five-year-old yeah. got to that point, actually. Yeah, yeah no. I, but we did get into, like, the question of you know, should we always trust books as a source of knowledge? And that was kind right. of an interesting one to just let her sit with. Um, and yeah. And, and, and the other thing that um, you know, we've been talking a lot about using SE practices when like interviewing our kids almost, but, but I also find my kids using it on each other a little bit, which is awesome. Much more my, my 10 year old using it on his little sister. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's like, you know, that's a huge win for me. Like when I can see that being correctly like, applied. Do you have an yeah. example of that? Like what kind of questions would he ask mm. that you would so, be like, oh, good job. Even, even just like when she's really frustrated, not like, you know, because five-year-olds, yeah, those feelings, they get huge fast. And, mm -hmm. and so he will stop and like calmly ask like what's wrong and like try to understand from her perspective like okay what what am i doing that's frustrating you you know if i change this will you not be frustrated anymore you know this oh, sort of thing great. and and so that is like really nice compared to uh you know if he, if they just or at each other. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And that's like effective problem solving and right. communication and getting along with other people. Like these are valuable skills. Yeah. We all need to learn. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, I'm curious. Yeah. You, you say you you did all kinds of church work back in the day mm -hmm. you know, with, with your kids and with other kids? Yes. Yes. Can, 
can you think of like something that you like might have done differently? Um, um, you know, <laughs> you know, I, you or, or were I, you doing it anyway? Or, yeah, what, we don't exactly, have enough maybe. time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um yes i told kids this is the truth this is what this is how it is and i know it's true and if you guys don't know it's true then just trust me and take my word for it because i've figured it out and i uh i gave them that narrative and to my own children too like i told them so appeal to authority i guess and i was that authority figure and i said this is the truth and you need to believe it and get to a point where you can accept it and believe it as well. Right. Yeah. So interesting. That's why I love yeah, okay. doing What's that? That's why I love doing this now because yeah. it's like I'm trying to make up for a little bit of did the kids push back on you much? There's like, always did a they few. question you okay. But I like I thought like, my kids lay down the law to just like this is the truth. Like it is it is like this. You can question those things over there, but you can't question these things because they are already true. So just learn to accept that for no good reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. a, lot of the ex- a lot of the examples that we've been speaking about have been um, like children within our, like our family, say, like I've got, I've got a nephew and I've actually had this thought, like, would I use something like this would I ask questions if something like that happened or if he said something? And I don't think I could, I don't think I could not because it's so ingrained in me. I do it so much now that it's, it's a habit. It just kind of falls out. But I don't know if I would want to do that with someone else's child because of the authority thing, because of the fact that they're just more likely to accept what I'm saying because I'm old and I have signs that I'm an adult. Um, Yes. And that brings us to our next question about informed consent. Uh, with your own children, you can say whatever you want, pretty much. Yeah, I was I was speaking I was speaking with my partner about about this earlier, right? Because in in a, like a psychological study, you can't gain consent from a child because they're not right. old enough to be informed enough. They have they can provide assent if they're old enough to have the concept of the experiment explained to them, mm-hmm. but the consent actually comes from their guardian. It comes from their parent. Uh, and I am just imagining the fundamentalist Christian who finds out that I bumped into their child and asked them some questions about Jesus. They are going right. to be very, 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 very upset. Um, yes. And yet I was subjected to scripture class when I was a child, whether I wanted to or not. So I, there is there is a double standard there. Uh, but I think if we're going to be the secular side of things and the skeptical side of things, I think that we have an obligation to consider um, the ethics of it because we don't have a divine mandate from God that gives us a green light to preach to everyone. Right, exactly. And uh, since children cannot consent, then uh, like it limits going out on the street and doing interviews with children or at school, maybe away from the parents uh, or in a, like you have to get the consent from the parents. And I think a lot of times parents will not consent, especially if they're uh, religious. I know I know I wouldn't have wanted my children talking to someone who's going to make them question their beliefs that I've tried so hard Mm -hmm. and worked every day of my life to instill upon them. Like I would not have appreciated that. Right. Yeah. It's something I'm I'm sorry. I had to change location. (laughs) 
I've got children. They come into the house and turn on the television. They do so that. I'm up in my son's room now. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's you're part of the ethics of SE. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a college professor, and I had a student this past semester who we, we came to my office. We started talking about physics because that's what I teach, physical science. But things turned. <laughs> um, in a direction I really wasn't expecting and turned religious. Mm-hmm. And I started to do a little, you know, kind of SE conversation with her. And, but I immediately reached out to an old high school friend of mine, who's the, the a, a devout Christian father of five children. This particular student was the youngest of seven girls. Both parents went to Moody Bible Institute. And so, you know, she's been in a very religious upbringing. And I checked with my my old high school friend, who's the old, you know, like I said, the father of five, to see, you know, I, I'm, he and I really aren't that tight, but I introduced him to SE, explained about the nature of the conversation, this conversation I had with my student, and it really was kind of getting his perspective. I want to know, as a parent, how would you feel if your child came to their professor's office and had this conversation? What would your reaction be? And, you know, and that sort of thing. So I think we, we all just have to be very mindful mm-hmm. of that. Um, what did he say? I, we, he's been very intrigued uh, with yeah. SE, and he 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 does think because uh, I showed him I showed him some, some examples. I showed him an Anthony video and yeah. a Read Nice Wonder video, and what's been interesting, and I, I shared it with my student as well. And both of them actually were very open to the technique. They thought that the Christians that were being interviewed in those videos were not real Christians. You know, but but as far as like yeah. as far as critiquing the actual method. Um, you know, they seem to think, gosh, you know, it's actually, it's pretty interesting, you know, and, and I think my friend was of the mindset that he's confident that his children are well-schooled enough and that this would only help to you know, receiving these kind of questions and deflecting these questions uh, would somehow strengthen their, their beliefs or, you know, better found them, uh, which, you know, I, I said, no, that's, that's the goal of it, you know, is to <laughs> come up with better foundations of, mm-hmm. of you know why we believe the things we believe so um exactly yeah i guess being really careful about whether you're leading the conversation too because you know hearing a lot of the examples come back to religion i i would be mindful about whether they're leading it or not and mm-hmm. be wondering well do you have permission to talk to these kids in general right um so if you have permission to talk with the kids in whatever scenario you're in like um then granted it's not a no holds barred conversation uh thing but but it does mean that i think that you can have a normal conversation and it as long as you're not leading and, and messaging um you know i think that's fine um when you consider what would the alternative be right is the alternative to just right. like not be interested in what they're saying or just you know, tell them okay go over there and do this thing um you know i think most people would expect that if you're in a situation where you are having conversations whether it be with family members cousins or or you know i, I was volunteering at my school at my kids school and it was like their field day and so when they're taking a break you know they're always chatting and they might start talking about 
oh, this teacher is really horrible. Well, which they did actually. <laughs> this is a true story. Um, but but yeah, they they were complaining about this teacher. I'm like, well, why is this teacher? You know, and then I start asking them about this, and this was like a, a weird group SE thing about the reasons why this person is such a mean teacher you know well what kind of tests could you do to see what's leading to this behavior you know is there something that you could do to you know see if maybe this isn't the case um mm -hmm. you know so so anyways that's just to say that yeah. the consent come back thing to yeah. yeah go ahead finish up I, I was just gonna say yeah the consent thing like in my mind is about what's a normal conversation allowed in this circumstance and if you can have a normal conversation, I think most of the times you can have SE. Yeah, and I was just going to point out, like, what are your goals in doing SE? Is your goals to convert people to atheism or is it to have better conversations and to teach other people the method and asking questions and being curious? Like, so it depends on what your goal is, probably. <laughs> Like what, what? you're going to be around kids. If you have kids, you're going to soccer practice in school. And like, you're going to be talking to kids and interacting, like is asking questions. Do you need informed consent to ask? Why do you think that teachers mean like that seems fair? One of my goals is to reduce certainty in myself and in others, you know, and, and it was so interesting because it is one of the, one of the, I've made, I've made it more of a focus in my in my teaching. First day of class, in my classes, I do the two four eight thought experiment mm -hmm. as a, as a little icebreaker activity. Are you familiar with it, Lisa? Mm -hmm. Read, read uh, Nice Wonder, Cordial Curiosity. Actually, has a good video. Uh, I think it's called, and he got it from Veritasium. I think is where he where originated. But it's essentially just you present someone with the sequence of numbers two four eight, and you say the sequence of numbers follows a rule. Um, and what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to propose your own sequence of three numbers, and I'll tell you whether your sequence does not follow the rule or whether it follows the rule. Oh, okay. And, oh, you know, this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really it's a good, ex uh, a good uh, example of confirmation bias because it uh, I'll, I'll cut to the quick of it is that uh, you know people most people leap to the idea that it's doubling that the rule is that. You know, so they'll propose 4816 or 1632264. Uh, um, uh -huh. And I would, go, I would go around to the class and say, no, that doesn't follow the rule. And they, you know, and, and it turns out that the, uh, one, two, three follows the rule. Uh, negative one, negative two, negative four does not follow the rule. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's not doubling. It turns out it's just ascending numbers so it could be 1.01 1.02 1.03 as long as they're sending numbers and the idea is that you know we get these biases in our head you see 248 and you immediately think doubling and so the tendency is to put out a sequence of numbers you know 16 32 64 and actually what i would tell them that follows the rule and they think oh I, I got this licked because and so they're counting as evidence things they right. something that, that confirm something they already believe to be true. And, yeah. so, and so this is, you know, just kind of setting the stage for my class that I'm going to be talking a lot about beliefs. <laughs> and, and it's so interesting that one of my students uh, wound up kind of picking up on my, because during the course of the semester, I talked about the pandemic of certainty. Because it, it's something that troubles me is that so many people are way overly confident thinking that they've got the truth in no matter, you know, choose your topic. 
And one of my students kind of picked up on this and actually wrote a song about me, including the lyric pandemic of certainty in there. And so, so yeah, it was very cool. uh, affirming to me that, yeah, they're, they're, some of the stuff is kind of see, sinking through or, or uh, seeping through and making an impression. Yeah. So what was your goal? You said it at the beginning, your goal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reducing certainty. Reducing uh, certainty. I, I, pl I play music and around the sound hole of my guitar, uh, I've got a little slogan that says this machine surrounds certainty and forces it to think again. Mm -hmm. And in my teaching, I, you know, as far as talking about informed consent, consent and ways of adapting, um, I actually feature, in fact, several videos I've got on my on my channel. Um, I've got a whole critical thinking series, and a lot of them are examples of things that I believe to be true at one time in physics, in, in science, physics or astronomy, mm -hmm. topics that I was very confident about at one point and taught to generations of students. And then came to find out new information, which actually reduced my confidence and actually changed my explanations or that sort of thing. And I go through the process of not only how did I correct the science, but also how did I unpack, how, I like to unpack, how did I get so confident to begin with? Right. You know, why was I at 100%? Because I think that's a useful thing for, to, to show, to model to, to yes. students and to my kids, you know, is that, wow, you know, when I'm way out over my skis, this is why, you know, these were the, these were the, and, and I'm just as, I'm just as uh, susceptible to these things as the next guy. Uh, and so it's an important, important thing. So if you're seeing, cause you're seeing a pattern of people being overly confident in, in your view, if you saw someone who was too low of confidence, like they knew the right physics answer, but their confidence was really low. Would you still have that goal in applying SE or would you not apply SE in that situation? Say so they they know the correct answer. Sure. Yeah. Let's okay, say they have right. really low confidence in in their abilities or whatever, or maybe some other topic. But you felt that it was too low of confidence. Would you? You? I assume you wouldn't then have the goal of lowering their confidence right, further, right? Right. right. Yeah. We, gotcha. We'd work yeah. on what what could we find out that would make you more confident in this. Good right. reasons right. to shift right. your confidence level. Right. Yeah, that makes right. sense. Having a healthy confidence. Yes, right. Confidence to match the yeah, yeah. match the reasoning. Right. Mm. And I love the idea of showing how <clears throat> you changed your mind when presented with new evidence too. Right. Like you're, once you decide something, you're not stuck there your whole life. Like right. always be mm -hmm. open and model that for the kids too. I think that's really important. Yeah, yes, Eddie, I'm... you say something else? Okay. Um, only couple things I would add is that uh, yeah, I think the. The way I, it was described to me, the I think it's like the two for eight um, exercise was to demonstrate uh, people's um, uh, when when they uh, try to figure something out, they try to confirm and confirm and confirm and confirm. And what this demonstrates is that you the there are situations where deconfirming mm -hmm. is the best route. Right. So how do I deconfirm? my assumption or my right. what i think is the is the, the formula yeah. how do i deconfirm that so what can you, i right. eliminate from yeah so if you deconfirm how do i figure out if i'm uh what what would the uh, what what could i say that could demonstrate that my uh, what i think is the um the formula is wrong and then if you take that route you get to the answer much quicker right so um as far as informed consent i have a weird uh, I, don't, I don't have much to add to that because I am the father figure. 
-hmm. And so the, my kids are very comfortable saying, I don't want to answer any questions. Like <laughs> I'm done. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but uh, I, I think, you know, when you're doing uh, SE with a, um, a service mentality, a clean slate, you're not trying to push anything like uh, Diamond was saying, um, there, there, there tends to be not too big of an issue when it comes to uh, consent. It, gets, it definitely gets a little tricky when you have, you know, other kids. Like, that's a very big question mark. What is, where is the line and, and um, how do you know when you crossed it? You don't know until the parent's there sort of thing or the guardian. Right. Um, and obviously, think, if you're recording the conversations or something, that would be a consideration. Yeah. But, but I think generally speaking, um, if you're doing SE with, um, with no intention, just sort of uh, thought exercises and questions, there doesn't seem to be a lot of resistance from mm -hmm. parents or, you know, teachers or anything like that. As long as it's, the topic is more, more sensitive than anything right. when it comes to talking with other kids. Um, but the process, I don't necessarily think uh, people have too big of an issue with, which is just just shows you how um, SE has developed into something beyond just religious claims and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I love that it has that it's adaptable to other topics, to any topic, really, like it's not right. specific. And I, and I we think had, it, we it, had an election. Oh, sorry, Bob, go. No, I was just going to say, you know, with, with SE, because so many times we think, oh, SE is recording people, strangers on the street. You right. know, it, it's what we see yeah, on yeah. YouTube. You know, and that, and of course, you don't think about, you know, that that doesn't seem very practical with kids. You know, you don't, you're not going to chase down a kid and, okay, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> put a microphone in your face and ask you a bunch of questions. Um, but, you know, I like, you know, like Diamond was talking about, uh, you know, you can almost teach your children how to SE each other, or even like, you know, kind of do even um, uh, SE by proxy you know, of their teachers. Well, okay, your teacher told this to, you know, and you think this is true, but how do you think your teacher knows that, that, that that's true? You know, and kind of, you know, at least, you know, kind of teach them as even if, even if the kid doesn't go in the next day and, and badger their, their parent, but, but at least show them that process, you know, and, and, plant those kind of, you know, seeds of, okay, how would they pursue that kind of, you know, questioning? Yeah, that's valuable. Right. Especially in a school situation where you could ask the teacher why, and the teacher could give you information and well, why this? And you can look at the foundations going all the way, like how did they first come up with showing the way the earth was round or whatever, like you could find the, the reasons for it. Yeah. And, and I think, the effect that practicing SE has on you as an individual, I think is quite profound. I, at least for me, it's, I, I don't think about things that I think I know the same way as I did beforehand. I, I think modeling that and, sorry, it's like your son, Diamond, at 10, doing doing that with, yeah. with a younger sibling as well. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> there's, so, there's so much in that because that is helping your daughter to emotionally regulate because they're not having fire spat back at them as soon as they're being upset. It's like, okay, let's slow down and let's actually talk about this. Mm -hmm. That's amazing to me to hear that children can do that. That's incredible. I, I, I'll, I'll plug yet another of my videos. Yeah. <laughs> I, the first video that I made on my channel was uh, uh, essentially 
describing what SE is, and I, I presented it a couple of times, but I did it in the context of uh, it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. And I essentially, you know, you know, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with, with that cartoon, but, you know, it starts out, you know, Linus is writing a letter to the, to the great pumpkin. And Charlie Brown says, you know, you're crazy. You know, you know, it was complete, you know, like debate mode immediately. And, and I remember watching it several years ago when I was first getting into SE. And I thought, well, first of all, I thought it was really interesting. Um, it, it, was, it was interesting as a cartoon, but, you know, there it is, big grief, it's street epistemology. Uh, <laughs> but I essentially, I, I create a fictional conversation between fictional characters trying to teach SE to Charlie Brown. How could he approach that conversation better? Um, you know, rather than rather than conflict, how could he actually probe and say, "Okay, well, Linus, I don't know very much about the Great Pumpkin. You know, can can you tell me more about the Great Pumpkin? You know, why are you so confident that he's going to show up tonight?" Kind of a thing. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that makes me think of um, using Essie with other kids. I got some pushback from a mom saying that she would never let me talk to her kid because. She likes doing the Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the, and she doesn't want her kid to start questioning those things. So, like, I don't know how you would deal with that, but I guess that goes back to informed consent. Like, I would just say, okay, I won't talk to her then. But right. Um, mm -hmm. But there aren't they going to go that direction kind of naturally if they start learning how to be skeptical? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting, um, interesting topic. Like, I would almost want to ask that parent, like, why wouldn't you want your kid to figure out earlier than later? What's uh, what? What do you think um, they're benefiting from? From not necessarily like being told <laughs> that right. X, Y, and Z is not real. Um, but, How do you guys handle that with your kids? Right. I was going to say, do you want your 35-year-old sincerely believing <laughs> that Santa Claus is going to show up on Christmas Eve? You know? Yeah, like, is, is, it, is the longer better? Um, so, <laughs> right. like, do, you, do you personally, like, regret uh, losing that belief? Do you wish you still had it? Like, what is the benefit it's giving? And what is the benefit? Like, what is the, the benefit it gives you for having it? And why does that not apply to older kids? Why is it, you know, um, and so, you know, it's an inter interesting question that I think everyone should ask. Um, it, it is a cool little moment for, for kids, but um, it is, I think, when you think about it, it is a, um, a young, like, fun time that's not appropriate when you're older, you know? Right. Like, it's not, not healthy when you're older. There's, like, right. just like, a lot of kid games. And so I think coming to that conclusion was like, well, why wouldn't you be proud of your kid for growing out of that sooner? You know, but right. to encourage yeah, no, it, 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 it's, a, it's a great opportunity for critical thinking. You know, once they start to make those connections, oh, well, you know, yeah, the, the milk and cookies, anybody could eat those milk and cookies. You know, it's, it, you know we, we put them out <laughs> yeah. for Santa, but, you know, and, and you know, when they when they start to make those connections, that's really that's cool to experience as a parent. You know, so, you know as far as in my family. Yeah, I was never. Uh, I never pushed Santa, but my wife, you know, she likes the Santa stuff and I, I had no objection to it. I didn't necessarily, uh, I tried not to lie to the kids about mm -hmm. it, you know, but of course they're going to pick it up and that sort of thing. But I, I definitely uh, applauded them when they started to figure out, you know, oh, yeah, I, I saw that toy at 
Walmart you know, <laughs> last week. You know, and I said that yeah. I wanted it. You know, <laughs> that's where Santa yeah. shops. He shops at Walmart. I, I did. I did a little bit of both, where I uh, played along and um, and created the magic of uh, of those beliefs, uh, as well as when they started to figure it out, I encouraged them to ask those questions. And then w when they asked the right questions, I was like, that is a good question. And I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. Riley figured it out. And, and you know, and <laughs> went from there, uh, which recently happened, oh, I want to say like about three months ago, she started like, that is, is Santa Claus rule? I'm like, that's a good question. Are you ready to hear that answer? And, and, and you know, um, and I didn't really tell her. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of not telling them anything about what is real and what is not real. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And letting them just figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so. I remember um, one of my kids was like, oh, go ahead, you finish first. Um, yeah, so th that's pretty much it. I, I think um, going back to this kind of opens up the discussion a little bit, but there was a video I made of the options parent has uh, because a lot of times it kind of seems like, well, I don't want to indoctrinate, indoctrinate my kids, but I don't want anyone else to indoctrinate my kids with other beliefs that I don't agree with. So it's either, you know, let them be taught by someone else or I teach them what to believe. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to convey a third option, which I think is the, the best option is that you don't have to push any beliefs on them. You can just focus on the foundation and how, how to distinguish between true and false beliefs and how to think clearly and, and, and stuff like that without ever giving them the answer. Um, and Inoculate, not indoctrinate. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I think a lot of the times people don't know about that, that, that third option. They're like, well, I have to teach them something. I have to instill what I think is the truth. So people don't push what they think is true. Uh, it's like, well, no, you, you want to have, uh, you want to give them a big shield so they understand, you know, like they can, or not a shield, a BS detector. You want to build a <laughs> BS detector more than anything. Um, and they'll, yeah. I think in the long run, they'll appreciate that. Uh, I'll plug another another resource that I find useful and, and it's actually one of my favorite children's movies. Has anybody ever watched Smallfoot? Oh, I love that one. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Is it animated? Uh, everyone should watch Smallfoot. <laughs> but did, did, you, did anybody else come? Uh, maybe it made more of an impression on me. I've actually written like a little viewer's guide because I, I watched it the first time. I think we had rented it from Redbox. And I thought, wow, that's a really cool movie. You know, it's essentially, uh, you know, essentially teaching kids ask, asking questions is really really important you know and and mm. and essentially challenging authority you know that just because mm -hmm. you know the, the leader of the group says such and such is true um it's not always the case and so i wound up like renting it again and now i actually own it i bought it for myself for christmas <laughs> uh you know but it's you know, because the, the songs are beautiful and the 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 message i think is really important so, so it's good. You know, for, even, sorry, go ahead. You know, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, if, if you've not watched it, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, watch uh, it with your kids. It's great. My kids obviously don't know what SE is or street epistemology. They just refer it to as questions. And they'll come up to me and they'll say, uh, Daddy, I, I want to do questions. And I'm like, okay, do you want me to do questions or you do want questions? And so 
they get the opportunity to ask questions. Um, and uh, if they want, I can ask questions too. Um, and I think for like for them, that's the, the, the bare bones of it is asking questions and asking really good questions. Um, and so like, for example, today, uh, my youngest daughter was like, Daddy, I, wanna, I have questions. And I was like, okay, what's, what's your question? And she's like, what is the difference between, because we went to the pool today. She's like, what is, what is the difference between a kid sunscreen and adult sunscreen? And I was like, that That's is a, good a question. great Such a good question. question. <laughs> I have no idea. Those are the best You get questions. candy now. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I tried to come up with something. To, you know, I kind of felt like I should probably come up with an answer. What do I think? But I think the ultimate message, you know, I always like to give is like, I don't know. That is a great question. And so she felt like really proud that she, mm. she's like, was that a good question? I'm like, that's a really good question. <laughs> and so the follow up is how could we find out? Right. You right. have to yeah. go. Yeah. Alexa. Turn it back on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. To them, I think it's ultimately just it's questions, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of kids like that. Right. Go right. Ahead, uh, oh, you were going to talk about your experience with Santa? Did, or, or oh, no? oh, with Santa. Yeah. Uh, I just had one kid say, hey, mom, why does Santa's handwriting look like your handwriting? Like, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, why do you think it does? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> right. is it because you wrote it and you're Santa? I'm like, hmm, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't like lying to my kids, but yeah. Simon, go Simon is there psychology, like any studies about? santa myths or anything and how it impacts kids do you know anything have you come across a, anything like that's that? a good question i haven't and it's probably the first thing i'm going to do after this conversation nice. thing. yeah yeah right yeah yeah i always wonder like does it cause damage does it make kids rebel like when they realize oh my parents have been lying for all these years mm -hmm. um i've asked my kids about that and they're like yeah mm. we just we figured it out young and we didn't really care i've, he I've heard a whole host just but anecdotally but, but never, yeah, yeah. It's 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 either you know I just kind of shrugged and got on with my day. It was fine. And I've heard some people say that it took them about ten minutes to go from Santa to Jesus, and, and they were <laughs> and they were an atheist right. from then on. Like I've heard a whole right, spectrum. Right. Um, yeah. So it's I'm really interested in that now. Santa, mm -hmm. Easter Bunny, everything yeah. like that. Yeah, and I wonder if the parents are really insistent upon saying like mm. Santa's real, Easter Bunny's real. Uh, all of this yeah. tooth berry is real. Like these are real. And then the kids find out they're not. It could be devastating. Yeah. Or, or it's the first thing that that kid, the word the kid is going to do is go and tell another kid. And they're going to get an mm -hmm. angry phone call from a parent from saying, parents. why is your child telling? Spoiling um, so it yeah, for everybody else, right? Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. or a great way to get them to behave when you're at the shops. And you want them to just settle down. You, just, right. you won't get any presents from Santa. Santa's right. watching. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Projecting my childhood into this video. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I did was I, I once uh, my oldest figured it out, I was like, okay, here's the thing. You figured it out. And, that, and uh, that's like props to you. But other people haven't. And you, mm -hmm. you shouldn't tell them. They need to figure it out on their own. Right. It's, it's right. kind of like a rite of passage. Like. Mm -hmm. you uh know something they don't and um you have to keep it to your to, to yourself so they can they can figure it out and uh, i don't necessarily i didn't really um explain it like oh you're gonna like hurt their feelings or anything it was more like they they um 
they have to figure out for themselves sort of thing. Right. Yep. Although it could, you know. And I always went with, well, now that you know, like, how this really works, you have to help me out. And you're like, yeah. you're now an elf. And <laughs> you get rapping. That's <laughs> cute. Uh, what successes or failures have you had using street epistemology? I mean, we've kind of talked about this a little bit with your kids. I think keeping kids on track um, were the... Well, that sounds that sounds weird to begin with. You're not. I mean, when you're doing <laughs> yeah, essay, you you're not. You're not really trying to keep them. You go where they go, and you kind of explore. But kids can be so chaotic, and they just don't want to have the conversation anymore, or they change the topic completely. And you're like, man, I was so so close to asking that question. So you, I guess what I would say is that um, you just have to have a lot more patience and. A simple AC conversation could take a month for a kid when it could take an adult a day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, actually, this is a failure that, and this is not with a small child. This is actually with one of my college students. This is a, when I was teaching at a community college 10 years ago. And it actually pushed me toward, um, I guess, toward SE, even though SE wasn't even on my radar screen at the time. But uh, I, had a, <laughs> I just started teaching astronomy. That was a new thing for me. And I think I told this, I've told the story to Diamond before, perhaps. Um, I had been a physics teacher for years at the high school level, community college level. And I always kind of felt lucky as a physics teacher because I felt bad for the English teachers because the English teachers had to come up with a reading list and someone was going to be mad about the books mm-hmm. that were on the reading list. And I felt bad for the history teacher because the history teacher, whose history are you going to teach? You know, and then, of course, the biology teacher I wanted no part of the evolution creationism, you know, <laughs> choices that they have to make. But as a physics teacher, you know, apart from teaching about a lot of white European males, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of controversy in teaching Newton's laws. But then I started teaching astronomy, and I was, and I, I had a student who came up to me after class one day, and she was a good student, and she was like, "I'm going to have to drop your class, you know, because this Big Bang cosmology stuff that you're teaching conflicts with my fundamentalist upbringing." And I never had to deal with that before. It's a deal breaker. And it was a deal breaker. And it kind of caught me flat footed. And I, I mollified her. Yeah, you know, I said, well, you know, just, just learn it for the test. And if you need to dump it, you know, but mm. you, there's, you, know, you shouldn't drop my class. You're, you're a good student. You know? And I kicked myself for a long time afterwards. I, I, I was teaching her a horrible lesson you know, so, you know, for a college age mm. student that when, they, when something that conflicts with what they believed to be true that they, they, they should just discount that new information and cling on to you know and just cling to their existing mm-hmm. beliefs you know that's that was just a horrible i thought i need to if i'm going to teach astronomy I'm gonna, this is not the first or my last student that i'm gonna have to you know deal with in, in this and how can i better yeah you know, what would you do you now know? if that happened right exactly yeah and so and then, and then just you know i started to think about it and then i and then i started like getting wind of sc and i thought wow okay well, let's let's approach it rather than, you know, having this conflict of worldviews. Let me just let me actually try to probe why you're so confident in your worldview, um, you know, and what pieces of information would you be willing to accept, um, or or you you, you know, kind of going in that direction. Um, got me just thinking about like this. Kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, right. I think my 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 first gut feeling was like, what are you afraid of? 
Mm. What do you think that this can challenge your belief, or you just don't like hearing it? Like, right? Is it yeah. is, is it annoying thing? And, and I, 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 you know, and I think that's you know kind of that experience. Also, got, yeah, that's why I started to shift into giving a lot of examples of my own. You know, I believe things very, very confidently, and became less confident when I gained new information. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you know, I, I almost am trying to nip it in the bud or not have to deal with those confrontations by just modeling it myself. You know, and and kind of just giving pointing them the pointing it out, the outset, right? Going mm -hmm. through the process. Yeah. yeah. And then they can see it's okay to change your mind. Right, and that's you know, so, yeah. Eddie said, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one of the best Say, things you can do. Know. You know, you have your kid with the sunscreen. You know, hey, I don't know. And and then right. Diamond said, yeah, how could we? How could we determine what's the difference? You know, <laughs> and if you're really that interested, pursue it. Yeah, you know, that's I started to do that when I would have a question from a student. I had a couple. I've got a couple of videos that were prompted from student questions that kind of caught me flat-footed, and I essentially said, I don't know. I don't know does not mean I don't care. And mm -hmm. if, you know, if it's a good enough question and if it's sincere enough as a teacher, I want to figure it out or you know, I want to let's work together to figure it out because um, it's going to help me. Uh, you know, I'll be a better teacher. I'll be able to teach this to the next generation mm -hmm. of students. Uh, but you all, you know, we'll kind of go through the process together of, of figuring stuff out. That's a really think, good example. <clears throat> this just came up, popped in my head. Um, I think there's one drawback, um, but it's it, it's a very short term drawback to um, raising kids with SE and it's that they challenge everything. Uh, and so like- Totally. Uh, for, you say like, you need to eat your broccoli. Yeah, they'll start <laughs> asking you why. Yeah, how do you know that? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, here's a good, a good example. It's like my my uh, little kid, my, my oldest, which is nine, she's like watching like things you, do, you feel like they shouldn't be watching like a zombie sort of animated film and it's like i don't know like what is the message here but it you know it's like there's blood and and you're like you should be watching that why because there's blood <laughs> you know it's like mom i know i know they're they're not real it's all just pretend it's a story mm -hmm. it's like damn okay so she's <laughs> yeah, that, you know? <laughs> so and this is like a success right this is like a backhanded yeah. non non-failure success or another example um, would be like uh can we go uh, do this no we can't do that well, why not? Because of this. Well, okay. If that didn't happen, then <laughs> right. or after that, can we do it? It's like you know, no is yeah. not an answer. Or right, no right. is just not not a good enough answer for them. Anymore. Well, I, I but I, I think really, you know, all kids are going to ask questions and that sort of thing. You know, why do I have to do this? That sort of thing. But I think the benefit of raising kids with SE is that they don't get to the point in adulthood because what I find, and I. Again, have a video that kind of deals with this. Um, conspiracy opinionists, um, mm -hmm. they're question askers, right? You know, the, you know, they think that they are skeptics. You know, conspiracy mm -hmm. theorists think because they're they're asking questions of the government. You know, but the problem is that their questions are not falsifiable. They never they never learn falsifiability as a really important thing at, a, at an early age and so question asking is not sufficient question asking does not make you a skeptic it can make you a cynic but it doesn't make you a skeptic and i think there's not enough of an appreciation in, of that and uh, that's why some of you are finding their way into the conspiracy theory realm is that they, they find comfort in being you know that, that that questioner that 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 stick in the spokes kind of a person um but not understanding that that the 
beliefs that they're holding via these these questions um, are not falsifiable. There's nothing you could that they could learn or find out that would make them less confident in their worldview, and that's a dangerous place to be. And so I think kids, you know, they're kind of raised with an SE where. Yeah, it's, it's fine to ask questions, but yeah, we, we could figure out if we dug deep enough, we could figure out why kids' sunscreen is different than adult sunscreen. You know, and it's not mm-hmm. big sunscreen that's you know got a some sort of a mal- malicious agenda. Well, and it yeah. teaches them what information is acceptable for an answer, and what is like this is somebody's idea, and it, maybe it's true, but there's no way mm-hmm. to tell, and then they learn to distinguish how to accept the answers i think um when talking to conspiracy theorist type um people i always try to make sure we hit the step of okay we've asked a question do we know no okay we don't know but let's let's just bathe in that we Mm -hmm. don't know (laughs) we don't okay now where where can we go from there and a lot of times they just skip that step like i asked the question just start grabbing and, for answers yeah, and, <laughs> yeah i you know and in this it's like wait well let's just realize we don't know <laughs> what are the options and so yeah getting comfortable with saying i don't know like i i didn't do that when my kids were young it was always okay mm-hmm. well i guess let's go see what the prophets have said let's go mm-hmm. uh you know w- there's always some other source i mm-hmm. never said i don't know it's one of my, one of your matt dillahunty quotes is you know, Becoming comfortable with saying "I don't know" is probably the key in having to say it less. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I think that's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. In in terms of failures, I can tell you that I've become way more aware of how often I do fail at applying the methods. You know, when I get when I get into a mode of you know just do it because I I want you to do this, I, I or I'm in a rush or something. I'm mm-hmm. not thinking through things or listening, you know, especially when I'm not listening or, or when I'm doing bad SE, like sometimes I know that I can ask questions in a way that will lead them to the answer I want them to get. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and then I feel guilty because I know, I know better, you know, and, and, and so, you know, it's just made me more aware of that, I think. Um, Yeah. And, and, and there was a, a fun success story where I was trying to model the behavior that I wanted to see in my kids, right? And so Don asked, and this was a math thing, which I, I like math, but he asked me, like, how do we know that pi goes on infinity, you know? And, like, how do we know that pi is infinite? Which I don't even know how pi came up in in schools, but <laughs> apparently kids like to talk about this. But so... So I had to admit that I really didn't know. And and so I'm like, okay, but how can we find out? So let's let's go down this road. I spent, I tell you, this is not an easy answer. <laughs> I spent hours with my son going through. I don't know if this was a failure or a success, but in the end, we did come to like a beautiful, like lengthy, convincing proof that had infinite expansions and infinite fractions. And it was like amazing. And I'm like, okay, if you want to really drive your math teacher nuts, ask them this exact question <laughs> and see what they say to you. Um, after he saw how complex it was, so I don't know, it was it was interesting, but it sounds like a success. 
Yeah, yeah, that dedication that, was, that you yeah. showed yeah. definitely <laughs> sounds like you, you would have passed something valuable. Even, even if it's really good by Pi is infinite. The yeah. method that you used was good, yeah. 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 Here's how you figure out the answer to complicated questions. That's, that He might have gotten bored trying to figure it out yeah. on the level. So I'm <laughs> like, that nah, too much. I think he, he became, you know, like super... Uh, he likes knowing things, right? That he likes to lord over other people, right? Because he's ten, so that's you know what they do all the time. So I probably helped. Fun fact, yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Unless you have any other um, successes or failures, you guys want to talk about? Are we good? Do you have any advice for people who are maybe new to street epistemology, just learning, just starting to get into it, stumbling across this video, perhaps? And uh, they're wondering how can they get started? What's like a good way to begin? Um, I would say that um, my, my general advice, and it's something that they other people ask as well, is that like, how, how do I get started? How do I, um, what's the you know tips and this and that? And I think the best advice is just to try it. You just have to try it because a lot of times people are hesitant and people um, don't, uh, they don't know what's going to happen. And, and there's just like, they feel like there's, there's this barrier that isn't there and it's just fear. Mm -hmm. And so they mm -hmm. just have to have to try it. There is no, there is no like, um, you know, key to, to get past through the gate to, do this, um, or how do I how do I put it? Like, we're all just people, and Anthony Magnamosco was just a person who decided to run with it, and it developed. And you know, I was just a guy who watched Anthony's videos, and mm -hmm. I just decided, like, okay, I think I can do this. And um, I have no degrees in in stuff like this, and we're mm -hmm. just people interested in this topic, and there there is no reason why someone should be should feel barred from mm -hmm. trying it just try it right do it. yeah i i don't think if someone's if someone has stumbled across this video they themselves are interested in se and, and they, they've probably become far more interested you know they're really starting to get excited about gosh why 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 do i believe the things i believe you know that's you know I, I was my first target in SE. Me too. <laughs> and, then once, and once you're into the, you know, of course, you know, your your own children are super fascinating to begin with. You're always like, you know, gosh, where did they come up with that idea? You know, and, and, and now throw in SE and it just becomes that much more interesting. So I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think a, someone who's already interested in SE would have a, need a whole lot of guidance or advice. You know, there is no template, but then there's no real template to SE either. Um, just you know, this, this, there's real interest in how people arrive at beliefs and especially when it's your own kids, you know, you, you know, you know how bright they are and, and how fun it is to, to watch their minds work. Um, right. yeah. yeah. Simon, I, I are think, you still there? Yeah. 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 So I think, I think you, both of you, both of you gentlemen made really good points in, you know, if you can witness someone practicing it, who has a style that resonates really well with you and then you meld that into your own style that you, you know, it's true to you and doesn't, you know, you don't become another person when you enter that exchange. I think it's easier to have that conversation with your child or children in your family, just as you using some of the tools that, that SE is based on. 
um, and finding the right, I guess, um, style to use. Like, I, I wouldn't try, like, being Doug from Pine Creek with a six-year-old. That's, that's, not, that's not my go, right? But, but yeah, Anthony Magnabosco, I, I, I feel he's, he's such positive dad energy that anyone he talks to, it, it would be a wholesome conversation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, ma- match it to your audience. Yes. And one every person is different, so match it to your audience is a, a good one. One of my favorite Anthony videos um, was the one, it's a, with a, a woman named Hafsa. And it's entitled, I think, I am my mother's daughter. I remember oh, this, like, yeah, like it's, it's very, because the, the claim is this woman say, is saying that her mother, the woman she calls mom is her biological mother. And when I first watched that video, I thought, you know, cause at, at that time I was really interested in, okay, kind of role playing, you know, as I'm, as I'm listening to the conversation, what would I ask? And when I first started watching that video, I thought I would probably take a pass in this conversation. That doesn't seem like a real claim, but yet Anthony <laughs> took it on. And wound up like reducing her confidence. You know, she was 100, percent and and he, and he you know dropped her down. But it was you know the fact. First of all, it wasn't a God claim. You know, <laughs> and it was also something that we would all pretty much say. We would all probably you know make that claim quite with with a high level of confidence. And gosh, it would be. I've never actually tried it with my own kids, but maybe I will. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> Am I your real dad? <laughs> How would we figure this out? <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite part of that conversation is the question that uh, the Isles friend asks them, or like, cause they say, "There's a picture of me with this woman holding me as a baby," uh-huh. and her friend says, "Yeah, but couldn't they have just taken a picture of you, them holding you? That's that's not showing that they're your parents." She's like, "Oh yeah," and Anthony's face is just like grinning <laughs> in the ear. Yeah, I really like that video. <laughs> yeah, and that's what it's about—just asking the question. And I'd say, yeah, probably just don't assume that kids are irrational. Um, you know, they, they do have their reasoning. And, uh, you know, I think going into it, really listening. Um, and, and my daughter just reminded me of an example where, uh, so she's been scared of the dark lately. And that's one that if you try and SE that, what you're going to come to is that I'm, I just am. You know, there's just that feeling and even though you know you can get to that and maybe i don't know if this is different for adults coming back to your first question of like how would you modify it for adults and children um you know i guess adults can also get these things that they can rationalize but still believe you know it's like sometimes hard to separate that i don't know it's interesting yeah. Simon, do you have an opinion on that as far yeah. as like the psychology behind it? The, the thing that I thought of was um, like spiders or snakes. So there are cultures, yeah, there are, there are human cultures that have no contact with snakes, but you show a child a picture of a snake in that culture and they are afraid of them. Like it is mm-hmm. encoded into our genetics to fear snakes. And so things like the dark snakes and spiders and things that have an evolutionary advantage to having fear associated with them might not have a rational basis because you don't reason yourself into them. And so maybe they're not eligible to be reasoned out of, right. if that makes sense. It's kind of like an emotional reaction. It's or not... even just genetically primed, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, I, I can't think myself out of my DNA. 
especially. That, that, that's that's actually one thing that I think is a challenge. Like I said, one of my goals in SE is to reduce certainty, but I think there's there's an evolutionary advantage to being certain. And so it's something that's tough to unlearn. Yeah, we, we, we naturally, like, yeah, our, our minds love it. We crave certainty. We like to be right. And, and it's so difficult to, to train yourself to <laughs> not accept that dopamine hit all the time. Uh, you know, and, that, and that, I think that's one of the challenges of SE. You know, that's why it takes it takes practice, and and uh, and you're not, you know, you're never going to be able to completely disabuse your, yourself of it. Um, but it's also, I think, a, a challenge for the method going forward. Is just that, boy, it's tough to tough to break through. You know, when when it when it's such a compelling thing for people. You know, we, we love to be right, and I think there, there there's there's evolutionary underpinnings there you know so mm -hmm. it's not just it's not a learned thing it's something that we just inherently do and we like kids are not an exception to that right. yeah, for sure no, they're, they're the most susceptible to cultural indoctrination mm -hmm. because they just their brains are sponges here's an interesting question um you know how we you say that uh, we love certainty um would you say that like we we love certainty but we also really love certainty that's like uh, earned, I guess you would say. I don't know. That's a weird term. Or, or, is that, like, or is that just certainty about our certainty that we're enjoying? <laughs> so like, if this is a weird analogy, but like uh, some people can reach certainty by, you know, in a game, you're using cheat codes and you just, you have all these abilities and you go through the game and you're just like beating it so easily. And that can be fun. But what's more fun or more satisfying is like beating the game through skill. And in the same way, getting certainty by gathering evidence, by, you know, uh, learning and soaking up all the knowledge in a way, uh, being more certain is satisfying and should be satisfying if it's like legit. It's not just you're just trying to be certain you're just like. No, you earned that certainty. You you've looked at all the options and you have figured it out that the reason why you know pi goes on forever is blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? So you have like logic on your side instead so, of just yeah. I, I think I'm talking about the certainty of the there's a rustle on the grass. Mm -hmm. you know, it could be it could be a lion, could be the wind, but I'm going to be certain that it's a lion and I'm going to run away. And, yeah. and 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 therefore I survive. You know, and I think that's that's what we we've inherited that we all all those all the all of our ancestors that ran away, even if they well, even if it wasn't a lion, they acted upon the belief that it was a lion. Mm -hmm. They procreated, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's tough to that's tough to, to kind yeah. Of yeah. get out of our own psyches. But I guess what I'm what I'm thinking about is well, you know, we want to make sure that we don't have false certainty because we're primed for it for that reason mm -hmm. but what mm -hmm. about like uh like proof or um certainty that has been uh just justifiable justifiable right, right right that yeah probably yeah i mean you should feel and, good about and, that and I, and I do like and that's you know part of part of the videos and part of my teaching is that you know i i show where i was way overly certain and how i deconstructed it you know and and now i'm actually more certain you know, i've got a better you know and I try to show the benefit of going through that whole process. You know, that first yeah. of all, I'm not teaching something that was wrong. Um, you know, the, the, you know, I try to show there's light at the end. It, it is, it's work. And I try to show students that, yeah, um, you know, there's a benefit to it. I, I'm a better teacher, I'm a better person. But 
the only thing that I find is a, is a problem is that um, these are all low stakes things. You know, it's, it's little science demonstrations. That sort of, and whether or not I believe those things to be true or not, it's not going to get get me kicked out of my family. These are low stakes beliefs. You know, you know, for years, I thought I was a Libra. You know, it turns out I'm a Virgo. You know, you know I went de decades. But whether I believe I'm a Libra or not is not going to prevent me from getting my next job kind of a thing. You know, and, and so I, that's where I, I do. I go through this process and, you know, and I think most students and most of us operate this way where when it's a low stakes belief, we're willing to take in new information and become less certain, change our minds. But it's these, you know, those things that we cordon off, you know, that mm -hmm. have real psychological or societal or family, you know, relationship in, uh, consequences that we're less likely to examine. Those, those, but those, isn't that those. the good thing about working with street epistemology with children is that someday, like if you're modeling this to them, mm -hmm. they might be able and willing and at that point emotionally, psychologically in their lives where they're willing to right. use the same techniques yep. on yep. the next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the value in my mind. And as, but but it, it takes it takes patience, you know, just like parenting takes patience. You know, you're not going to see a change you know, overnight. It may not be, you know, either either the child's not intellectually ready, you know, or you know, it's just it's a, sometimes a long process. Learning and practicing and growing and more practicing, mm -hmm. repetition. Yeah, let's go to our. Um, we are about out of time here. Any closing thoughts you want to add or anything we need to cover still that is on your mind that you think might need to be brought up? We haven't mentioned Joe Rogan at all. I have to bring it up. Okay. <laughs> because Maybe the algorithm. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I mentioned at the beginning that Eddie was, was the most famous example. Um, do you want to talk about how that came up? Um, you, you know, I, it was one of those, I, I don't know the time frame. Um, it was one of those things where I just decided I wanted to do SE on my kids. And, and so I did the little practice runs and then I recorded it. And when I felt like it was a good recording or, or it, it demonstrated, um, something of value, I posted it on the, um, street epistemology Facebook page and just got like, a lot, a lot of good feedback. Um, and I felt a little uncomfortable posting like my, my kids online. Um, but the positive response was so much that I, uh, I like, I got personal messages and stuff that they, they, or they said that they really enjoyed it. Um, so I, I, I decided to actually post it on my YouTube channel. And then from there, you know, it, it became, um, even more evident that like you know people really enjoyed it and uh i think it was like six months to a year later it, it, it popped up again and i think the the we were in the middle of the pandemic and you know i i haven't posted videos in a really long time and everyone's just blowing up my phone like oh my god like joe rogan just i was like what <laughs> um and so it was just kind of one of those really cool um moments where um the, the just a person uh, the guest that was on Joe Rogan um, was talking about the video that I posted um, about um, you know asking uh, or I don't even know what exactly I, I forget it's been a while what the overall topic was on the show but he basically was it was just a demonstration of how to get kids to think mm -hmm. and uh, is, is that on YouTube I haven't seen that 
Um, yeah, it's it's on. Um, we post. We'll post all the links to anything that's been mentioned below. So. Yeah. So um, I th you can find the direct um, video on my page or on my YouTube okay. channel, Deep Discussions. But like, the, someone posted something that was like it mirrored um, the conversation they were having about the video with the video. Um, mm -hmm. I think. I, I could probably pull up the link. I don't have it with me. Right yeah, now. we'll post That's it in so the description, cool. I guess. But yeah, uh, yeah that was fun. I, I, you mentioned like the, yeah, showing your kids online. And that was something that I always think about too. And because um, I would also like to do this. But on the one hand, like your your kids are growing up on the internet. They're just in <laughs> stuff. But, mm -hmm. but then also, like like you say, there's the consent thing. And so... I don't know. I think that's that's tough, and and people are going to make lots of different decisions on that. I guess. For the record, they were totally okay with it, and they were like, <laughs> "Right." I'm like, Joe Rogan is like, uh, you know, I, I I compared it to one of their YouTube channels that they really enjoy, and I'm like, he's like that for adults, and they're like, "What? <laughs> that's so cool! They're watching their videos," and you know, nice. uh, so they were very enthusiastic about it. Cool. But mine yeah. was more for the perspective of like, okay. Like, let's say this actually does blow up. Um, am I creating any safety issues of my kids? Right. right. Like, mm -hmm. ah, the message is, is just way too positive, And I don't really think I'm going to get any um, negativity from it or negative consequences. I think it's just an overall positive. So I decided to post it. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice to have more of those available to watch as right. demonstrations at some point. But you know, it's got to be by choice. Um, let's go around and everyone say a final thought or uh, plug whatever you have to plug if you have something. And uh, we will wrap this up. And uh, Simon, can we start with you? Certainly, yeah. Um, so I I have no plugging to do, so I'll be plugless. So really, my, my um, final thoughts. I, I've been crazy impressed with the success stories that you've had within your families with SE. I, I do think it's a profoundly useful tool. Um, but the big barrier that I have in using it with kids is the consent thing. So if it's, you know, your children or someone within your family where, you know, it's a normal conversation, as you were saying, Diamond, uh, I, I love that there has been so much success. It's, it's really positive in what hopefully the next generation is going to be like where there won't be that fear of saying i don't know there will be a comfortable with saying i don't know let's find out um, and i think that has really positive implications for the future of humankind i think it's a it's a treatment for the bipartisanship that is going on in most of the developed world right now yeah i love that yeah thanks for being here today or tomorrow. You're in tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm from the future. <laughs> Today is Sunday, but you're in Monday. So that's crazy. Yeah. But thanks for joining us, Simon. Bob. Okay. I'll, pl I'll plug my, I've got a YouTube channel. It's been a long time since I've posted new content, but I've got a whole series of critical thinking videos up there at Mortgage Hill Musings. I've also got a couple of other videos that I, I actually be interested in, in Lisa's take on at least one of my, one of my videos, which is uh, about, it, it's, I think, putting the se in the sermon i think that's oh. maybe it was it was yeah i think it was it was about a christmas pageant that i found on youtube 
that uh, I, I essentially give it an SE treatment. And uh, I'm sure in your church days, you were probably involved in putting some of those together. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I need to check your content and, and uh, yeah, you check sure. that out. Yeah, I'll look forward to that. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Uh, Diamond, okay. how about you? All right. Uh, yeah, sure. You can go to Diamond Discourse and check those out. I don't have posted to make more. Um, and I guess thinking about the kids thing, I'll plug uh, Dinosaur Tea Party as an excellent board game to play with your kids in terms of using deduction. It's kind of like Clue style. So, you know, cool. that doing that sort of thing can help build critical thinking too. And uh, yeah, and of course the SE website, um, I'm sure most people watching this will probably already be familiar with it, but great one-stop shop for everything. Definitely. Yeah, thanks for coming today, Diamond. Appreciate it. Eddie? Um, yeah, so the YouTube channel I run is uh, Deep Discussions. Um, and I, I think my closing thoughts is that um, my overall goal when um, doing SE on my kids was to find an alternative to simply telling them what I think uh, versus what uh, other people think and because I know they're just going to eat it up and run with it. And I, I really do think even five, six years down the road that this this continues to work and it is a great tool, uh, a, a great alternative alternative to just teaching the kids the best of uh, to your knowledge, what you think is true. Um, it's even even your intentions are correct. Um, you know, 20 years on the road, that things might change. I think the best thing to do is to uh, deprive them of conclusions and work on the method. Mm -hmm. I think that, that I, um, for the most part, besides like safety issues, um, like running in the road and, you know, stuff like that, uh, I, I think depriving them of conclusions and making them kind of work through the process and, and uh, uh, how, how to think properly is is the way to go and and uh yeah just six six years down the road and i really do think it's, it's working really well yeah thank you appreciate that and i uh, i'm really glad you all showed up today to talk about this because i do think it's really important that this is taught to our kids i really I wish I could go back in time and teach my kids how to think and not what to think. I told them what to think and what to believe. And it's more about the how and uh, using street epistemology to teach kids how to think, I think is uh, the, the most important part of it. So thanks for coming today. My channel is The Road to Reflection. Uh, if you want to check it out. There's not much there yet. I'm just getting started, but I love having these conversations and diving into specific topics and seeing like what the future of street epistemology is going to look like and what we can do to improve it and get better. And just all of you who are new to street epistemology, just go out and do it. Just start asking your kids and other kids, why? Why do you think that? Just, I mean, that's a good place to start, but just start wherever you're at. But anyways, thank you. Yeah, you have want to add something? Uh, I think my my girls actually wanted to talk to you guys, if that's okay. Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. One second. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Should we ask them questions?
No, I think, you know, I, I've, I, what was, what was the, the prompt for their, the video that went on Joe Rogan? So I, I think I may have seen it when it was first posted, but I, I didn't know. It that was, it was whether Nemo, uh, a focus was whether Nemo was real or not. Oh, ah, okay. okay. Yeah. So they, okay. they talked about, and they kind of talked amongst each other too on. Yeah. I like the interaction. <laughs> hey. Hey Hi guys. guys. <laughs> can they can you hear us okay? Um What's your name? Madeline. Madeline and Riley. Riley. How old are you guys? I'm 96. I'm nine. about to turn 7. Oh, Congratulations. When you turn 7. In a month. In a month. In a month. Does anybody I have any loose teeth? I have all my grown-up teeth. Oh, you do? Nice. Wow. I, I don't even have all of my grown-up teeth. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> do you like it when your dad asks you questions? Yeah. And do you ask your dad questions? Yeah. And yeah. try to trick him? Uh, no. Do I know your favorite mm -hmm. questions? What? Oh, you're drawing a blank now. You wanted to tell him about your favorite questions. Oh, my favorite questions are like what he says, like, what do you mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. like, Good one. like the different the, meanings of words. Mm -hmm. okay. Does favorite, it make you think? Favorite questions? What's yours, Maddie? Riley's too. Oh, you're drawing a blank. That's good. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. guys. Do you guys ever questions at like recess to other kids? No, no, no. Fair enough. Never? Cool, mm -hmm. cool. And and I just realized I asked you a question that was only a yes or no question, but it's better yeah. if I ask questions that are more open. So, like, I could say something like, "Do you what? What is the kind of thing you might ask if you wanted to learn?" someone else i don't know something like that I, i'm not doing very good with these questions right now i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> questions are hard sometimes even mm -hmm. for adults yes yep. Yep. that is true what do you guys think about your video on youtube with you and yeah. your dad do you like it do you watch it sometimes yeah you show it to your friends no well, at school, I kind of found my YouTube channel. Oh, cool. You have your own channel? Hmm. Nice. What's the name of your channel? Crazy Little Gymnasts. Oh, cool. You do gymnastics? Yeah. Both of you? <laughs> like cartwheels and handstands? Awesome. I can, and I'm, I, it's, a, it's my, I'm a competitive gymnast so oh. i compete what's your and favorite I, event my favorite event is beam and bars beam that's the hardest wow but you like it yeah because i get because there i get to like first we do mm -hmm. each of us are on a beam and then first is handstand and then we have to show yeah. our teacher and they can say if we can move on to the next skill. Awesome. And then the next skill is straight jump, straight jump. And yes. then the next, and then the next one is 
leaps and then mm-hmm. turns and then dismount where you do a handstand outside and then you twist. Nice. You what happened? Maddie, mm-hmm. Maddie what's your favorite event? Oh, no, I'm right here. No, I'm right here. What is happening? Okay, guys. Bye. We'll see you in the Olympics one day. Bye. Okay. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks for bye. chatting. Thanks for hanging out. Bye. Okay, and I, the, the, actually, they're talking about the balance beam. Just makes me think of I, I've got a, I've got a current now? student who uh, the current student that I've been having conversations with. Um, we've kind of taken a, a hiatus over over summer because she's going to be off the grid for for summer. But she said that there's no way that she can be on the fence about her belief. You know, it's so important to her, and. I essentially said, what's wrong with that? Yeah, that's uh, that was kind of the thing I left her with for the summer. Mm-hmm. What, what's necessarily wrong? You know, it's, it's uncomfortable sitting on the fence, but sometimes it's a, that's the best place to be. And we yeah. have to get comfortable with that. And so I'm hoping to, to be able to continue the conversation in the fall semester. Ooh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I like that. I'll have to rewatch this video to to see the conversation you guys had because I, I had both ears in both their ears. Oh, and I was like, you didn't hear. All yeah, right. I had no idea what you guys were saying. <laughs> they're so cute. I love that. Yeah, they're fun. Thanks yeah, for I'm gonna on. I'm gonna go ahead and end the recording unless anyone has any final words. Are we good? Oh, thanks for hosting. Hey, thanks. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, nice chatting you guys. Yeah, we'll do it again. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So a minute ago you asked, so how to start? You can get kids interested in philosophical questions. You know, right. is Nemo real or is he fake? I, I watched this wonderful video from a, a dad who's into street epistemology. Have you heard of this? No. So, so uh, there's a bunch of philosophers and people who are kind of inspired by philosophy, and they walk up to somebody and just say, hey, you mind if I ask you some questions? And if they give consent, and they ask them, you know, tell me about a cherished belief. And then they ask gentle, clarifying questions to kind of explore that belief, and in a very non-combative way, they get people to think really deeply about their values. So, so this street epistemology video I come across, it's a guy who, who does street epistemology, and he decides to use it on his two daughters, who are, who are like seven and five. Do truth or false questions? True, false? Okay. He sits him down with a bowl of strawberries, and he says, True or false? Fish are real. True. True? True. Okay. Um, um, do you think Nemo is real? Nemo is real. True. And one of them goes, yes. Because he's no, 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 no. And the other one goes, no. And they said, well, why do you think no? Because fish don't talk. No, it's not real because, because they talk. They talk? Oh. But. Can fish talk, true or false? False, but. My answer is true because there are clownfish and there's clownfish in the But ocean. they cannot talk. But there's so. clownfish and there are clownfish. So Nemo's real. And these two kids are like actually working through what it is to think clearly about reality. <gasps> oh, so you're saying there's Nemo's a clownfish and clownfish okay. are in the ocean and are real. And that means that Nemo must be real. But, but Maddie's saying, but fish cannot talk, and yeah. Nemo talks, so maybe he knows not But he's a clownfish. Yes, I know. It's just like a made-up story that a clownfish, just fish, just talk. 
and you're watching their minds just start to open right in front of your eyes. It's a brilliant little demonstration of the power of conversation about what's knowledge and what's mere opinion. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here, or not expressed here, do not necessarily represent those of the organization. <laughs>